these are players, but they, these are human beings. And yes, at the highest level, it's ultimately about, well, can you do what I need you to do? From a physical perspective and from a mental perspective, are you able to withstand the rigors and you know, mentally be strong to do that? That's, that's all fine and well. But you guys also know that when we talk about player development, we're talking about a very small, minute percentage that ultimately reach the highest level. All right? It doesn't mean you don't aspire, uh, and it doesn't mean you don't have belief in yourself or you feed off a of belief in others to possibly be great and do great things. But the reality when it comes to the numbers is that very, very few are going to make it to that highest level. So the majority and the vast majority, what are they left with? What have we equipped them with? to be able to function in the, in the world and more importantly to lead you know i want you know i love this country i think it's the greatest country in the world i want young men and women being raised that are going to lead it and to make it you know productive and to make it successful going forward so how they ultimately kick a ball it's not that i could care less about that but i certainly care less about that and much less about that than if they are good individuals. Welcome, 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 welcome. This is episode 54. We're still here at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Yeah. Our next guest needs no introduction. The future president of U.S. Soccer himself, <laughs> Mr. Alexi Lalas. They should be so lucky, and uh, yeah, hey, I'm not sure they can I afford me. Oh, thank you. Vote, bless your bless your soul. I love you it. You got it. That's <laughs> wonderful. That is wonderful. Yes, yes. I mean, I, like I said, they can't afford me. I know they don't pay because it's there's no it, you know it's a volunteer <laughs> position. But even if they did pay, they couldn't they couldn't afford me. But. Uh, you know, that's nice. How you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, yeah. doing good. Yeah, we got in. Uh, he got in on Tuesday. Okay. I got in on Wednesday. I got stuck up in the whole flight delay thing. Oh, did you? Yeah, so oh, I ended up mess. having had my dad pick me up from the airport. Oh, got like two God. hours of sleep, came back straight here. But then we got to... And what you have you been discussing? Podcast, have, we, have we figured awesome. it all out? So well, yeah. our podcast yeah. is about player development. We okay. run a, a player development training program. Okay. Building a network of training specialists, doing individualized training. Uh, okay. We're based out of Dallas. Um, but we're looking to expand into other big markets, but really push our online presence to be an educational resources for players, parents, coaches, even fans, just to be better, you know, and okay. become the best that they can be. So um, I guess my first question for you, Alexi, is where do you see individual player development fitting into U.S. soccer, the U.S. soccer landscape long term, right? Yeah. So I was just talking to someone earlier about the responsibility and it's almost a a moral question right if your if your desire and your only desire is to produce a better soccer player okay then there's a way you go about it but if your desire is to not just produce a better soccer player but to produce a better young man or woman okay that is going to be functional in our society that is going to be able to lead in our society something that i feel is important, dare I say vital, then maybe you go about it in a different way. Mm. And, you know, you'll hear the word holistic a lot. And I do believe that we have a moral responsibility that supersedes any soccer responsibility to make sure that if and when our time with these, you know, young kids is over, 
that we are giving them the skills and equipping them with the means to be able to function in the 22 and a half hours of the day as opposed to just the 90 minutes of the day. So it's more about individual personal development, not just player development. Yeah, I mean, these are players, but these are human beings. And yes, at the highest level, it's ultimately above, well, can you do what I need you to do? From a physical perspective and from a mental perspective, are you able to withstand the rigors and you know, mentally be strong to do that? That's, that's all fine and well. But you guys also know that when we talk about player development, we're talking about a very small, minute percentage that ultimately reach the highest level. All right? It doesn't mean you don't aspire uh, and it doesn't mean you don't have belief in yourself or you feed off a belief in others to possibly be great and do great things. But the reality when it comes to the numbers is that very, very few are going to make it to that highest level. So the majority and the vast majority, what are they left with? What have we equipped them with to be able to function in, uh, in the world? And more importantly, to lead. You know, I want, you know, I love this country. I think it's the greatest country in the world. I want young men and women being raised that are going to lead it and to make it, you know, productive and to make it successful going forward. So how they ultimately kick a ball, it's not that I could care less about that, but I certainly care less about that and much less about that than if they are good individuals. 100%. So at a high level, um, you know, you, you see clubs like Arsenal, for example, they have actually hired a player development coach. Mm-hmm. Do you see that becoming more of a common thread among top professional clubs? I don't know. What does that person do? What so, I mean, obviously, have you seen the Arsenal documentary? I assume you watched it, right? No. Maybe not? Okay, right, well, they had a guy, I forgot his name, but basically his job is he's in there and they'll recognize a player, like if a winger is not really beating his man as much or if okay. he's not looking as confident, then they have this uh, specific guy and his whole job is to kind of hang out with the player for a bit. They go through film together. He kind of goes through the psyche of them as well and then he'll kind of take him out on the pitch and just do things like that. So I guess first off, do you see that as something that maybe each club should have just that can like really focus on that real specific thing that might be keeping a yeah, player Yeah, I mean, if you're talking down. about professional clubs, I think the specialization, I mean, I, I, I've for you know many years believed that you can even, you know, have have a you know a backline coach and a midfield coach yeah. and a striker coach mm-hmm. and obviously you have goalkeeper coach we have that forever throw in coaches. and throw it all that kind of stuff yeah. so th- that type of specialization I think is important but it only works if you're if you're operating in a, vac- a vacuum it's not going to work and so therefore you know the the head coach has to be able to call all of those together and to have them work uh, work as one I do think that having coaches involved that can help you sit down and think about things in a much more expansive way than simply, well, I want you to kick the ball from here to there, okay? (laughs) And I know it sounds simple to do that, but there's a lot that can go into kicking the ball from here and there. And it's not all involved in, you know, your physical abilities. A lot of times it's what's between the the years. And so having people that can get the best out of you so that then you can get the best out of uh, yourself from a physical perspective, absolutely. I I think that that's, uh, and I think it, it makes sense in terms of what you are paying this person. It makes sense the quality that you're getting because at the highest level, it's about winning. And, if, 100%. and the margins are so small. So if by doing that and having that person, you can get that player to do just incrementally more uh, and, and, and do things in a better way, it's going to pay for itself. Yeah. yeah. There's no question how the national team has developed recently mm-hmm. over the past few years. We got a lot of good talent coming up. Yeah. They did pretty well in the World Cup. I think they could have done a little bit better. Yeah. But... How do you see them progressing 
leading up to the next World Cup here in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, so I think that we left something on the table in 2022. Yeah. I was I was still proud uh, and excited um, about the way that they played. But, you know, getting to a World Cup is something we've done multiple times. Yeah. Getting out of a group is something we've done multiple times. But with players that had never been sure. there before. You that's know? Fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the youth of the team, I think that's what makes people very bullish about the future, including my including myself. Because what are they going to be three and a half years from now? Right. Um, and where they are playing. The, you know, for example, take someone like Eunice Musa. We're extrapolating it out. If he was this way as a teenager now, think of what he is going to be and yeah. what he could be. And so I'm... I'm excited about that, and I think I think we are all fairly and rightfully bullish about this team going forward. The interesting thing is, while we talked so much about this young generation that we saw here, the youngest team at the World Cup, there's a whole generation behind it that is going to want their time and is going to start pushing for playing time. And, by the way, we're going to see a lot of those guys now for the first time in multiple cycles actually go through uh, Olympics, mm. and we haven't seen that in the <laughs> past, so I think it's that's going to be really fun. So. Just, just saying that this group that we saw here is going to be the same group in 2026, I don't think it's actually going to be as simple as that. I think, you, you know, for example, uh, you know, Brendan Aronson's brother, Paxton Aronson, has just gone over to Europe. Who knows? He could, you know, be the next greatest thing. And even, you know, a guy that is doing great, you know, three and a half years from now, things could be very, very different. So these are, all, these are good things. These are good problems to have yeah. or challenges to have but i remain incredibly excited about uh, going forward really good. i got one more question for you. <laughs> sure. so just like kind of in your in your current role like obviously being on tv a lot do you feel like almost a sense of obligation to always like have an opinion to stir the pot a little bit you know specifically on twitter <laughs> so uh i do i have an obligation in a job that I'm paid to have an opinion of having opinion? Yeah, I do have an obligation. <laughs> I, I actually have a contractual obligation yeah. to have an opinion on it a consistent basis. It just says it in there in a bullet point. On a consistent the basis, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, but the thing is that even if I didn't have a contractual obligation, I would still have an opinion yeah, and I would still uh, still voice it. You know, we go. Look, I think it makes it more interesting when people have opinions. I can disagree. I mean, we can bring everybody here in this room together and I can get 100 different you know, ideas and opinions about how to play the game or what the beautiful game looks like or, you know, are the Reynas right or the Burhalders right? You know, like whatever. It could be on yeah. a million different things that we are talking about or not talking about right now. But that's what makes sports fun. And we don't exactly. have enough of that debate. We don't have enough of that, uh, that back and forth. And, again, you don't have to agree with me. As a matter of fact, it's, it's no fun if everybody always agrees. Sure. Okay? But having that type of discourse, in a, and it can, be, it can still be entertaining and it can still be passionate, um, but it has to be done in a civil uh, and respectful way. And I think if you can do that, you can make it fun, like I said. You can make it hopefully you know, witty, and hopefully you can make it memorable. And yeah. I like to think at times uh, I do when it comes you know, to Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a strange machine that I have yet to master, and, and I'm trying to figure it out as, uh, as we go along. And I look at it much more as a, as a video game almost that I, <laughs> that I, uh, that I play. But it's, it's fun, and it keeps me occupied. And and out of trouble maybe <laughs> well hey Alexia I appreciate your time keep being you man oh thank you guys yeah. well yeah. I just you know you guys you guys are doing some good stuff uh, some stuff here and as I told a lot of the other people here you know those of us that kick the ball get a lot of credit and um, and attention for you know progressing and evolving the game and growing the game but the reality is everybody here and everybody that I look out here all the men and women and for 
decades and decades and decades deserve as much, if not more, uh, respect and attention and thanks and praise. So keep doing what you're doing. Sure. I, you know, I some, sometimes I'm sure you think, this is, is this making a difference or why are we doing this thing? It does make a difference. People hear it. And to your point about the, the youth and about development, if just one person hears yeah. it and is changed and thinks about things in a different way, that then, then can help somebody else, uh, you've done a good thing. So keep doing it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.